0: Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another, and impacting the world. Friends, hear the word of God. After three months... We set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria, with the twin gods as figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days, and from there we made a circuit and arrived at Ragium. And after one day, a south wind sprang up, and on the second day we came to Pulitoli. There we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days, and so we came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the forum of the Appius and the three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews, and when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans." And they said to him, we have received no letters from Judea Judea about you. And none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are. For with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. When they had appointed a day for him, They came to him at his lodgings in great numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers, through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have clothed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance just so far in the reading of God's word. Let's pray as we come to the teaching of God's word. Lord God, we do thank you for your word. It is faithful and it is true. Upon it, Lord God, we can build all matters pertaining to life and to godliness. This morning, Lord God, as we read from the book of Acts and as we study from the book of Acts, we ask that you would teach us by your spirit, guiding us into truth and guarding us from evil. And that you would glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, your son, in our presence. These things we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, amen. Maybe just to start, let me tell you what the big idea of this morning's sermon is. If you're taking notes, this is what you would like to write down. If you find it difficult to concentrate during a sermon, this is the one thing I would like you to leave with. Jesus is the only one who can save everyone. Should I repeat that and you can say amen when I'm done? (laughs) Thanks, Jabu. Jesus is the only one that can save everyone. Amen, yes. That makes for a great two-point sermon. If you want to jot down an outline, this is what the outline of this morning's sermon will be. The first section will go from verse 11 all the way through to verse 24. And I will make the point that Jesus is the only one because that's the point that Paul makes to the Jews. And the second point that I'll make is that Jesus can save anyone. And that point is made from verse 25 through to verse 31. That's the point that, that Paul makes from verse 25 to verse 31. Paul is in Rome at last. It has taken years for him to get there. But he has arrived, he has come to Rome, and he was allowed to stay by himself with a soldier who guarded him. Where in the world would you like to visit? I want to visit Washington, D.C. Let me tell you why. Uh, A few years ago, uh, I got to visit Washington, D.C. From an early child, I had wanted to go to the Smithsonian, the Smithsonian, not Smithsonian, the Smithsonian National Air and Space Museum. It had captivated my young imagination. And so one morning when I was in Washington, D.C., I put on hiking boots and I walked from Capitol Hill, where I was staying, to the Smithsonian. Turns out that the Smithsonian isn't one big building. It is a complex of 17 buildings that takes up almost like an entire little suburb by itself. The Smithsonian is huge. I I thought when I arrived and looked on a map that I would start at the one side and work my way to the other side where the National Air and Space Museum was. But I spent so much time in the National Gallery of Art that I didn't even get to see 10% of the Smithsonian. I have got to go back to Washington, D.C. In fact, I've found out since that there is also a museum of the Bible and an international spy museum. (laughs) So I'm super looking forward to going back to Washington, D.C. one day again. Where in the world would you like to visit? The Apostle Paul wanted to go and visit Rome. Rome. He says so at the beginning of the letter that he wrote to them. He says, God is my witness in Romans chapter one, that without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you, for I long to see you. A little later, he says, I've often intended to come to you, but thus far I have been prevented. And even later, he says, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Now, Luke, in the book of Acts, has been moving us toward Rome being Paul's final destination. After a long stay in Ephesus, Luke wrote of Paul saying, I must also see Rome in Acts chapter 19. And then in Acts chapter 23, after Paul stood trial in Jerusalem, Jesus himself told Paul, take courage because you must testify also in Rome. The apostle Paul wanted to visit Rome and now at last He was there. What would Paul do when he reached Rome? Verse 17 in your Bibles. After three days, he called together the leaders of the Jews. Paul reaches out to the Jews. Paul had an apostolic mandate to take the gospel to Gentiles. But he had a heart which beat for his own people, the Jews too. And so it was his custom to preach first in the synagogue whenever he entered into a new city. Being a trained Pharisee made that so much easier for him to gain credible access wherever he was. But in Rome, he is under house arrest. He is chained to a soldier, to a god. And so he's unable to go to any of the local synagogues. So he invites the synagogues over for the equivalent of a first century cup of coffee and a chat. Of course, Paul's intention is to share the gospel with them. And we know from the rest of the book of Acts how that goes, don't we? Paul reaches out for the Jews with the exclusive gospel that Jesus is the only one who can save them. We pick that up uh, in verse 17, the second half of that verse, to verse 20. He said to them, Brothers, Though I had done nothing against our people, the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case, but because the Jews objected. I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing these chains. Paul begins his discussion, he, he begins his discourse, he begins his conversation with these Jews on the defense. But I suppose he has to. He was under house arrest, he was changed to a god, and curious minds would have wanted to know why. The, the thrust of Paul's argument here is that he is not against the Jews. He is a law-abiding Israelite. And he had not contravened Roman laws either. He was a law-abiding citizen. So why the chains, Paul? Paul had suffered arrest and incarceration for the sake of the gospel. It is for the hope of Israel that I am in this chain. The hope of Israel isn't a what- The hope of Israel is a who. The hope of Israel is Messiah. Jesus is the only one who can save God's people from their sin. The Old Testament had predicted a deliverer, a chosen one by God who would redeem all Israel. The Jews expected a Messiah to redeem Israel by overthrowing the rule of the Romans. But Messiah came first to rescue Israel from their sin. Jesus is the Christ. Amen? Jesus is Messiah. Jesus is the hope of Israel. Jesus is the only one who can save God's people from their sin. Now, it turns out that Paul wasn't big news in Rome. We read in verse 21 that they said to him, we've received no letters from Judea about you. And none of the brothers that have come here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But... We desire to hear from you what your views are, for with regard to the sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. Turns out Paul wasn't big news in Rome. His detractors may have thought that they had neutralized him in prison. It had been three years since his arrest. His detractors may have been caught off guard by his transfer to Rome. In fact, Paul might have gotten on the last ship out before the seasons changed, and so they couldn't rush after him and catch him before he arrived. In any event, it is a surprise that the synagogues in Rome did not have a negative report about Paul. Paul. But they had heard about Christians, Christ followers, followers of the way. They knew them as a sect derived from Judaism but distinct from Judaism. And they were curious. The greatest surprise is not that Rome did not know about Paul, but that Rome wanted to hear about Christianity. Right now, there was an open door for the gospel. And so Paul presents salvation's terms and conditions. Exclusivity obtained through one person. Read with me in verse 23 of your own Bibles. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus Christ, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. It's all rather formal. The Jewish leadership appointed a day. They booked time in Paul's calendar. It's not like he was going anywhere. He's under house arrest, chained to a guard. But they make sure that everyone who was in the room is everyone who needed to hear Paul explain who and what Christianity was. And so a large crowd gathers and Paul expounds to them. And it goes on for the whole day. Paul carefully takes his audience through all of Scripture. He explains truth. He exposes truth. He declares truth. And he does this in two ways. First, Paul testifies to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the whole counsel of God's word. The kingdom of God is the rule of a sovereign God over all of his universe. The kingdom of God is God's rule exercised over those who have submitted to him and to his authority. The kingdom of God looks forward to God's future reign and rule. Paul testifies to the kingdom of God. Second... Paul tried to convince them about Jesus. To convince is to persuade. To convince is to sway. Paul demonstrated the person of Jesus and the work of Jesus from Scripture. The law and the prophets are a way of saying that all Scripture testifies about Jesus Christ. Where's Jesus in the Old Testament? More than 300 Old Testament prophecies point to the person of Jesus. These include prophecies about his unique birth, these include prophecies about his earthly ministry, these even include prophecies about the way that our Lord Jesus Christ would die. Jesus said, If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. Jesus is the prophetic fulfillment of all of the Old Testament. And Paul tries to convince his audience about the person of Jesus Christ. And this is an exclusive message. Paul is teaching that Jews cannot be saved by the law of Moses. They must be saved by the person of Jesus Christ. Paul is teaching that good works cannot save you. You must be saved by Jesus Christ's perfect work. The exclusiveness of the gospel points to the uniqueness of the person and the work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The gospel is an exclusive message. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Paul said, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name in heaven given amongst men by which we must be saved. And to Timothy, Paul wrote, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. The message of the gospel is an exclusive claim. That the only way to be reconciled to God in this world is through the person and through the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only one who can save. Now, when faced with the person and the work of Jesus, how would the Jews in Rome respond? How will you respond? It says in verse 24, read together with me. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. Friends, the gospel demands a response. You can't hear about the death of Jesus you can't hear about the resurrection of Jesus and not respond. Either by faith you become convinced, or in disbelief you remain unconvinced, but you must respond. What were they convinced of or in disbelief of? Jesus that Jesus is the Messiah spoken of in the Old Testament, that Jesus is the king of God's kingdom. It all comes down to faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior or disbelief and rejection of that truth. I want you to imagine the scene for a moment. Paul has been speaking All day long and well into the night. And he's been talking about the kingdom of God and Jesus. He takes his audience through the Pentateuch. Maybe explaining how, how Jesus is the seed promised to Eve who will crush the serpent. Maybe explaining that Jesus is the seed promised to Abraham who will be a blessing to all nations. Maybe explaining how Jesus is the greater prophet promised to Moses. And then he goes on to the books of history. Maybe explaining how Jesus is the descendant king promised to David. And then he goes on to the books of poetry explaining how Jesus is the son of man made a little lower than the angels or that the son of David is referred to as lord I can imagine that that Paul comes to the prophets I imagine he goes to Isaiah chapter 53 and he presents Jesus as the one highly exalted whom kings shut their mouths before, as a shoot sprung up from the Davidic line and dynasty, as the king of kings, as the Messiah, as the one who suffered and died to pay for our sins, by whose stripes we are healed, as the servant who rose from the grave. And I imagine that the room grew quiet and then faith came maybe to the person on that side and then to the person on that side but eyes lit up as men believed they were convinced but even as some around the room believed some continued in disbelief unable to or unwilling to exercise faith in Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. But friends, the gospel demands response. And your refusal to submit to the reign and rule of Jesus Christ is a response that you will be held to for eternity to come. And then we hear about the salvation of God. Verse 25. And disagreeing amongst themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear but never understand. And you will indeed see and never perceive. For this people's hearts have grown dull and with their ears they can barely hear and their eyes have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. Therefore, Paul says, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Paul, yeah, is quoting Isaiah 6. It's a passage of Scripture we are very familiar with. Jesus quoted Isaiah 6. John quoted Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6 is quoted four times in the New Testament. It is a very important passage of Scripture and indication of its importance in this chapter and its relevance to the nation of Israel. Isaiah 6 is, of course, Isaiah's vision of the Lord in the temple. It happens in the year of King Uzziah that he died, that I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, Isaiah says. And he talks about the train of his robe filling the temple. And above him stood seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to the other one, saying, Holy Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory and the foundations of the thresholds shook with the voice of him who called and the house was filled with smoke. It is a picture of splendor. It is a picture of majesty, of beauty, and of power. Isaiah, as he beholds the glory of God, is utterly undone, struck with awe, paralyzed with fear. And he says, woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, overwhelmed with his unworthiness. He's keenly aware of his sinful mortality and unworthiness to be in the presence of God. And then one of the, the seraphim flew to him, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched Isaiah's mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Instead of death, because of the sinful guilt, that Isaiah bears an angel, flies down and touches his mouth with a coal, symbolically removing his guilt. Isaiah is cleansed and he's able to speak. He hears the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then Isaiah says, here I am, send me. So in the text, Isaiah's next commission to take the message of the Lord to his people. And that commission includes the verses which we read this morning. Go to this people and say to them, keep on hearing but do not understand. Keep on seeing but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes. Lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Isaiah, recognizing that he's going to have the worst ministry in the world, (laughs) no one is going to believe what he says, says to God, how long, O Lord? And he said, until the cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people. And the land is a desolate waste. And the Lord removes the people Far away, and forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again, like a terebinth or an oak whose stumps remain when it is felled. Judgment. God would judge Judah. Because of their unbelief, God would judge Judah, and the destruction of Judah would be devastating like a tree cut down, like a stump burnt out, like no hope remaining. Except for the last line in Isaiah chapter 6 The holy seed is the stump. There is a glimmer of hope, a holy seed a holy offspring, a holy promise which would bring back to life that which was lost. Paul quotes a passage of Scripture about the Lord sending a messenger to his people which his people would reject and therefore judgment would come upon them and yet a glimmer of hope would remain. Paul is the Lord's messenger to his people here. And the Jews in Rome are rejecting his message here. And so the Lord's judgment will come upon them here. But the glimmer of hope is Jesus. Jesus is the holy seed. Amen? I imagine that all of that stung in the ears of the Jews. Believing that Jesus was the only one, was, the, was one thing. But believing what Paul said next caused their disbelieving hearts to depart. Verse 28, therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation which God has sent has been sent to the Gentiles, they will listen Friends, Jesus can save anyone. The the idea that, yeah, is that God is done with the Jews, but would bring salvation to the Gentiles. It was completely unthinkable to these religious bigots. These men reach a tipping point and they storm out of the house. But as the Jews storm out, friends, we Gentiles, thats everyone in this room, black, white, and every color in between, the whole smarty box of us, every single one of us. As the Jews storm out, we Gentiles are given a universal opportunity to storm in. Because Jesus is the only one who can save anyone. Verse 30 in your Bibles. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Paul welcomed all who came. All who came. To Jew, Gentile, male, female, slave, free, rich, poor, all who came. The gospel would not just go out to a certain demographic, the gospel would go out universally to every person black, white, Indian, colored. South African, foreign, national. This is so important for you to believe for two reasons. And this is my concluding application. The first reason is this. Salvation's terms and conditions are this. They are to be universally proclaimed to every person because Jesus can save anyone. That means salvation is available to you. It doesn't matter who you are. The gospel message is for you. Because it doesn't matter who you are, you need the gospel. God as revealed in Isaiah chapter 6, is holy, holy, holy. He is perfect in splendor and glory. And he is separated from sin and from sinners. You have sinned against God. You have sinned against him in thought and in word and in deed and in things that you have left undone. All of your self-righteous acts will not atone for the guilt within. The gospel is for you because you need a savior. Jesus came into this world and lived a perfect life. Jesus came into this world and died on a cross, not for his sins, but for yours. The blemishless lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The righteous for the unrighteous. But he did not stay dead. No. Up from the grave, he arose. (laughs) He is alive, victorious over death, triumphant over sin, conqueror over Satan. And that message, the, the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus is to be preached to all man. And that all man is you because you need Jesus. Turn from your sin. And put your faith and your trust in Jesus as your own Lord and your Savior. Would you do so right now? Would you do so at once? Do not delay. Repent and believe. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Second point of application. Because salvation is exclusively obtained through one person, Because Jesus can save anyone, but Jesus is the only one who can save anyone. Friends, those of us who are in Christ, who have believed, who are members of the body of Christ, that is the church, who have believed that salvation is exclusively obtained through that one person, Jesus Christ. If our unsaved husband or wife is to be saved, they will only be saved through him. If our unsaved son or daughter is to be saved, they will only be saved through him. If our unsaved friend, our unsaved co-worker, the unsaved in the city of Pretoria are to be saved, they will only be saved through the person of Jesus Christ. If men and women are to be saved, they must be saved through through him. And that must motivate us. To mission, to participate in mission trips. The, the Mozambique uh, is just down the road, and the Mozambique uh, School of the Bible is going to go there in a few months' time. Ask Kedley Stead or Jabu how you can get involved in collating of books, in going yourself, in sponsoring someone to go on our behalf. Find out how to get into a missions WhatsApp prayer group and support group. Schedule time in your week to pray for missionaries, their family and their work. Pray for those who have yet to hear the gospel. If men and women are to be saved, they will only be saved through the person of Jesus and this must motivate us to give. Support missionaries and organizations that are actively involved in spreading the gospel by giving financially to their work partner with Central Baptist Church Pretoria, as we partner with Daniel and Hannah on mission to the University of Pretoria, as we partner with AJ and Avon on mission to Japan, as we partner with Darren and Andrea on mission to Ecuador, as we partner with Al on mission to Tajikistan, and H and A on mission to a North African country. Friends, if men and women are to be saved, they will only be saved through the person of Jesus Christ, Because salvation is exclusively obtained through one person. And Jesus is the only one who can save anyone. Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Surely, Lord, the reason why we praise is because we believe that you are the one the Messiah, the chosen one, the anointed one, the Christ. Even as we break out into worship again after the sermon, I do ask that the songs on our lips might be a reflection of belief in our heart and that you might find it well-pleasing to accept and inhabit the celebration and praise of your people. Lord, I pray for those who have not yet placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Would you open their eyes that they might see, open their ears that they might hear, and in seeing and hearing, Lord God, would you grant them faith that they might believe and therein give you glory, both now and into eternity to come. These things we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.